We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a moment to talk to you about one of our sponsors, Indochino. As I mentioned before, I have trouble finding clothing that fits. Indochino has a solution. You may have seen at the NFL Draft or in tunnel walks and other events, RJ Barrett wearing some pretty sweet pink suits and other apparel. What you might not know is those are all Indochino suits and blazers. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more, and everything is made to your exact measurements for a great fit. I was wrong about Lamar Jackson this year. Not only is he crushing, he's doing it in style. And with Indochino, you can do it in style as well. You get to personalize all of the details, including your lapel, lining. You can add your own monograms. RJ Barrett's brand new collection with Indochino just dropped, featuring limited edition fabrics and jacket linings. RJ helped pick out the designs. Indochino's process is simple. You choose your fabric, you pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. A package is delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You don't need to go out to a tailor to deal with anything, right? It's coming to you custom fit. You don't need to go out to a store, search aimlessly through all of these different options. You're customizing it. It's arriving to you. You can even get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom if that is something you prefer. Again, you can also do it all yourself online at Indochino.com. Right now, you can get 30% off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Shipping is free, which is always a nice, nice bonus. So that's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE for 30% off your total purchase of $399 or more. That's an incredible deal for made-to-measure clothing. You really have no excuse anymore to wear clothing that doesn't 
fit. Cooper Cup goes missing. OJ Howard emerges from the abyss and Patrick Mahomes returns. We're talking all that and more on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at Rotoviz. I'm joined by Matthew Friedman, the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network. This podcast is being brought to you by Indochino, Harry's, Roman, and my bookie. Matt. That's a lot. That's a that's lot. A we lot. have a lot of sponsors. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's people they're just clamoring for the dulcet tones of Matt Friedman, waiting <laughs> with bated breath for your reaction to this week. What'd you think? One word, three letters, MVP. <laughs> you know, I'm not sure if that's in relation to Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson. So, uh, it's uh, it's both. No, uh, yeah, it's obviously I'm talking about Lamar Jackson. Uh, I'm just yes. going to keep on. I'm going to keep on bringing this at you as as often as I can. <laughs> so. Yes, which is which is perfectly yeah. fair. And, uh, you know, with the Patriots on bye this weekend, I was able to scope out a little bit more of the Ravens game, uh, you know, like in real time than I normally would have. So I I did not know what to expect from Lamar while I was watching him. And uh, yeah, it was extremely impressive this weekend. Yeah. I mean, granted, he was playing against a horrible uh, Bengals defense that is uh, just, I mean, decimated and poor on its own to begin with. So uh, not totally representative of who he is but i think representative of who he is against a vastly inferior defense <laughs> yes yeah that's perfectly fair uh before we get into the rest of the action just a quick reminder to check out the rotoviz patreon page support all of the shows get into that special uh slack channel and also we are approaching a couple of milestones that could put you in the running for a free year-long subscription to Rotoviz. So definitely check out uh, patreon.com forward slash Rotoviz Radio and get in on that. The Raiders beat the Chargers on Thursday night in a very close game. The Raiders now sit at five and four. It's been a while now since we checked in on John Gruden. I remember we talked a lot about how we thought that he would do. Getting back into the NFL, we now have, you know, a pretty good sample to talk about uh, his performance. What have you thought? Yeah, um, so, I mean, obviously his first year was a total train wreck. I think this year's gone pretty well, better than I expected. Me I mean, too. Far better than I expected. I thought they were going to open the season like 0-7 or something like that, you know. So, uh, I think they've been pretty impressive. The And they've been, I think, inventive on offense too. Like Derek Carr... This is like, I think his best season in the league, uh, you know, and doing that on the fly without Antonio Brown, I think is really impressive. Um, the thing is, I think like Gruden is his own worst enemy. Like there's this dichotomy of him as a, he's not the general manager, but like, he's basically still running the team. So like him, like, it's sort of like the Belichick, like dichotomy of like, uh, good at one thing, not as good at another thing. And so like if Gruden had, uh, an, an actual general manager, um, maybe this team would be even better because like Gruden as a coach, I think has done like an, I wouldn't say an A plus job, but like given the talent he's had, which is the talent he gave himself, that's the problem. But given the talent he has, I think he's actually done a pretty amazing job. 
the defense still sucks, but like it's slowly starting to get better. And the offense is, uh, I think like surprisingly, you know, like top five, top eight. Yeah. I mean, I've been actually really surprised about how well they performed this season as well. And then when you look at the way that they, um, performed under pressure on Thursday night, it kind of showed some of those strides that you saw this team made or this team make above what I would have expected. And the funny part is, uh, my father-in-law who no longer, uh, really believes in my opinion after the debacle with his team last year when I drafted Le'Veon Bell number one overall for him um, and a number of other players that never saw the field like Jarek McKinnon and we won't go through that list now he kept talking because the Raiders were on hard knocks uh, he just kept talking about how good of a coach he thinks John Gruden is and I'm kind of like dude like you know you know you're stuck back in the old age you're a baby boomer you know you're, you're stuck back in this in you know these hardcore uh you know football guy trends uh but i think he's enjoying um the fact that uh the raiders are far out playing what i was expecting um i mean here's you know, the thing uh, um yep. so uh gruden the decision maker is the guy who's dumb enough to take josh jacobs in the first round but gruden the coach is smart enough to know how to use jacobs to make him mm. look good you know what I mean? So like there's yep. this there's this split between like his two different roles and he's really good at one of them and not, I think, nearly as good at the other one. Yeah, I think that that sums it up. You know who we have not talked about all season? I don't believe we've mentioned Philip Rivers. We have talked about how it hasn't been a great year for Keenan Allen or Mike Williams. Do you think any of this has to do with Rivers? Anecdotally, just from watching him, I feel like we've kind of seen a little bit of a decline. Or is that just the Chargers having some um, challenges this season? Hmm. I think it's a, a little bit of both. Like I remember um, like Charles Kleinhexel writing an article for Rotoviz like four. No, that had to be like five years ago. Um, like he maybe even six years ago talking about how <laughs> Philip Rivers was, was done. <laughs> and, and then like he had the best season of his career that might've been like 2013. Um, it's, I, but I mean, the thing is now he's like, he's 38. Um, it's, I don't, it's difficult because like he leads the league in yards. Um, but part of that is just because they're throwing so much because, um, they're just not, looking as good but uh I don't know like I think it, it wouldn't be surprising if this were his last year in the league um and I think like what we've seen out of him kind of flashes back to who he's been his entire career like I think I'd, I've never thought of him as a hall of fame quarterback and some people have talked about him as if he is and like I think he's just a guy who's been above league average for a long long time and mm. that doesn't get you into the Hall of Fame. Like, at no point in his career have I thought that he's a a top two, a top three quarterback in the league. And I think, like, that's what you need to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and so, like, I feel like we're just, what we see out of him is, like, what, I'm I'm saying this poorly, but what we've seen out of him this year is just, like, the microcosm of who he's been his entire career, except now it's just old at the age of 38. I see what you're saying. And I think as far as the hall of fame goes, some of that depends kind of on a person's philosophy. If you want to look at a whole body of work over a career and let people kind of cumulatively build up a case for it, 
that's probably when you start having a conversation about Rivers. But if you try to point to like one, two, maybe three real key seasons, you're probably not going to see the same type of seasons from Rivers that you would as, you know, lots of guys that are locked for the Hall of Fame. See, I don't, so here's the thing. I don't yep. see how being slightly better than mediocre for a long period of time gets you in the Hall of Fame or should get you in the Hall of Fame. Right. I don't think that it should either. Um, unfortunately, I don't think everybody operates on the same criteria, which is the problem with a lot of things like this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think you're probably right there. Right. Um, a player, though, that has looked at this point like he is going to be a Hall of Famer is Patrick Mahomes. He returns, comes out firing big plays for Tyreek Hill, who had a great day. McCole Hardman turned one catch, I believe, into a 67-yard touchdown. Travis Kelsey gets in the end zone. Chiefs looked locked in for a superb back half of the season. What I want to know from you, Matt, is which Chiefs are a must-start? I'm pretty sure we all know who they are, but then who are also the guys that can be rotated in? Hmm. I mean, well, I mean, I guess, it, I mean, if you have Kelsey, you obviously have to start him the same with Tyree Kill. Sammy Watkins is on the border because yep. he's getting like, you know what he has the potential to do. You know that he's getting regular snaps. It's just he's so inconsistent that uh, it's it's hard to start him. You can't start Nicole Hardman because he's playing only like. 10 snaps per game <laughs> but but if he gets a touch like he's scoring a touchdown you know so it's right. it's the situation like he basically is what Tyreek Hill was his rookie year um but so like you can't start him but like I, I think in any given week he might have just as good of a chance as, of scoring a touchdown as Sammy Watkins which sounds crazy but he's just so dynamic of a player and they scheme the ball to him um, to where like, I think if he touches the ball, he has a decent chance of scoring a touchdown. And that's just, that's not really the case with Sammy Watkins anymore. Uh, Damian Williams, obviously, um, is someone who's intriguing. It's just hard to know in any given week, what they're going to do with that backfield situation. Um, but as long as, you know, like LaShawn McCoy is uh, a healthy scratch, um, which was a huge surprise last week, but as long as that's the case, Williams is someone you have to start, I think, if, if you have him. Yeah, that's that's the player I was really the most interested in. I'm not saying that he's a must start every week, but I do think that if you're in a situation where you don't have two slam dunk running backs, you're probably going to be okay putting him in there. Not that it's going to work out every week, but I think in comparison to a lot of players that you could be on the border with, I really like his chances just because he does play in this really superb offense and we have enough of a body of work with him in that offense to support some big performances. I mean, I think it's even the case where you have to have three running backs because like, he could start in your flex. And mm, at this point mm -hmm. in the season, like no one has three slam dunk running backs like who are better than Damian Williams. True. You know what I mean? Like it's th th most people, most people want it. What about those teams that uh, drafted uh, Kenyon Drake early? You don't think that they have? Uh, yeah, they wish they had Damian Williams. <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, and here's the thing. Anyone who has Damian Williams, maybe you like someone dropped him and you picked him up on waivers or you're smart to trade for him on the cheap or whatever it is. But if you drafted Damian Williams, you're not listening to this podcast because your team's already dead. Yes. So, yeah. Um, impressive game from the Titans, though, actually beating the Chiefs. They sit at five and five. Um. Are they a playoff team to you? There's one of those teams which I think still could conceivably find their way in. They beat the Chiefs, so I think their fans are probably encouraged. Thoughts on the Titans? 
Yeah, I mean, I think they're a really ugly team, but they have a pretty decent defense and, um, you know, they have this commitment to running the ball and they have a running back who gets uh, seemingly better as the season goes along because everyone else gets injured. uh, But like a Terminator, Derrick Henry just uh, continues to run at the same speed. So, uh, I mean, could they could sneak into the playoffs, but I don't think they're a team that anyone would be scared of in the playoffs. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, it could happen. Yep. Christian Kirk absolutely erupted three touchdowns. We also saw Andy Isabella getting involved. I want to talk about both of these players kind of individually. I think this is one of those games from Kirk that a lot of people that have been supporters of him have been hoping for. And then on the Isabella side, it's great to see the team start to get him more involved based upon what we saw last week. Yeah. So the, the cool thing uh, about Kirk is that, um, you know, like he was cast as this slot only player. Um, but for the past two weeks, he's actually played primarily on the outside and the team has gone into more of a three receiver set. Um, but he still had success on the outside as a perimeter receiver, um, which I like, I think speaks to a, well, a couple things. One, like his all around skill set, like he definitely can play on the outside, but then two, like the stupidity. I mean, that's maybe too harsh of a word, but I'll just use it. The stupidity of people who think that um, for the most part, receivers who play in one position can play only that position. Like, these guys are professionals for the most part, their skill sets are large enough where they can move like between the slot and the perimeter and like they can do whatever they need to do. Um, so anyway, yeah, Christian Kirk, uh, great game uh, on the the right side of touchdown variance, whereas he hadn't scored a touchdown to this point in the season. Uh, Andy Isabella still not playing a lot in three receiver sets, but the team is still playing a decent number of four receiver sets. And when they're doing that, Isabella is now clearly the number four receiver who's rotating in. Um, I think he played like 26 snaps uh, in week 10, um, which is a jump up from where he had been previously. And um, I think that's intentional and they're going to continue to give him Uh, his opportunities. And if he makes the most of them, it wouldn't be surprising if we saw him as the number three receiver moving forward. Yeah, you certainly feel, and it's funny because we had recently talked about this and we were saying that you're reaching the point where where if you were an Isabella owner, you might start to get uncomfortable. We've definitely seen some encouraging signs since. Another player that we've talked about a lot, uh, but is just such an interesting case that it's hard not to bring him up. Eight receptions for Ronald Jones yesterday, also a rushing touchdown, of course, only 2.6 yards per carry. But I think it's worth noting those eight wrecks because this was the single biggest knock on Ronald Jones coming out of college. And we're kind of seeing him address that. As we've mentioned, he looks to be outplaying Peyton Barber. People might be tired of it, but let's just do another quick check in on Ronald Jones. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I was so it's. It's painful watching him. Like, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> he's he's not nearly as good of a runner as I hoped he would be coming out um, because that was like the one thing he could hang his hat on. Like he was a very good running back, like rusher uh, in college. Um, he hasn't done that this year. He's been better this year, but still like just four point, uh, four point yards per carry. Not really all that impressive and uh he's really tailed off in the last like six weeks um like over the last six weeks not in any one of those games is he had even four yards per carry um so I don't know exactly what that means if that's on him if it's the offensive line but uh yeah as you mentioned the receiving workload 
I don't I never really bought that he didn't have the ability to be a good receiver. It was just that like he wasn't used in that way in college. Um, I don't know. There's just something about like, I feel like a guy who's young and like fairly explosive and a good runner probably has the ability to be a good receiver if they just use him in that way. Um, but, uh, man, the fumble, the unforced fumble on his last reception was really painful to watch. And it's just like, I don't know. I feel like it's the sign of like, this guy still has so much more to develop into. Yeah, you kind of touched upon all of the things that I found curious, right? In one regard, we see him having some success, but you could get a clouded perspective if you just look quickly at his fantasy points because we did see the eight receptions, and I, I have to imagine you know the guy can catch the ball, but he still doesn't really feel like a player that's going to be relying on eight receptions per game. And then the fumble was just no, another one yeah. of those things to like put in the or to pull out of the bucket of like good things. Every time he puts something into that good bucket, it feels like a couple minutes later, he does something that lets you pull yeah. it out and you just keep coming back to even on him. So yeah, like he, he caught the ball, but then he literally couldn't tuck it into his armpit without fumbling. Just <laughs> <laughs> like one of the most basic things a running back is taught to do. Yeah. Well, did you watch so. uh, Alabama LSU? No, I did not. Well, did you Which see the Tua play? Heretical for me to say. Yeah. No, I did not. Oh, no. so Tua uh, basically did, and I want to say it was around like the 10-yard line, the same thing. Like he tucked it and was going to go to run and had, um, like w- it would have been a really nice play, and the ball just like popped out of his hands untouched, and it was like a very similar type of situation. His was, was painful. His was probably, I would say, the less egregious because not that like the ankle injury that he had would have played into it, but... I don't know. It was easier to try to find make like some excuse that you could make. And I think Jameis Winston has done this multiple oh, times. My, yes, he's gone yes. to, to throw and the ball just comes out of his hand. Like, what is it with these Tampa Bay guys? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Like uh, Jameis Winston in his career has had some of the most bizarre plays and not to mention uh, decisions made yeah. um, um, among other transgressions of his. Um, yeah. But. The other thing that we need to talk about with the Bucks, OJ Howard comes back to life. Our uh, main event league team is finally going upward, Matt. This is, I mean, is it really coming back to life when you get only, and I'm saying that's sort of in quotation marks, but only 47 yards and a touchdown against the Cardinals who are like the, the nut low, uh, like tight end matchup. I mean, like, I mean, it's just, it's, um, I don't know. I like, I think more than anything, like that's the sign of like, if this is his peak for the season, like his season is lost. Like this is just not a good year for him. And and maybe it gets better next year, but I don't know. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of having my doubts about it. Yeah. Um, I guess he's, he's back to life because literally this was the first time I heard him mentioned all season. I want to say in a game. I mean, can, can you, like, can you start him this upcoming week against the Saints? I think like he, he, he was an easy start this week or this last week because he was going against the Cardinals. But this week against the Saints, I mean, could you justifiably start him? I think you can only justifiably start him if you have no other options. I, I think if you have yeah. another tight end on your team that you may have used once or twice this season, you're probably rolling with them. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, 
I lost my mojo. We have excuses to just avoid it altogether. I had a long day at work. Sorry, honey. I'm just not feeling it. I lost my matchup by a decimal point and I am crushed. I just don't have it tonight. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about. With a real doctor who can prescribe you real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com slash bluewire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to getroman.com slash bluewire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's getroman.com slash bluewire for a free visit to get started. Getroman.com slash bluewire. If you're like me, you've had trouble getting a crisp, close shave at an affordable price. You've been shaving for a while now. Humans have been shaving for thousands of years. The secret to a great shave, it hasn't really changed that much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I love getting that close shave, easy glide, low price, something I can rely on. And Harry's is a return to the essential. Durable blades at a fair price, just $2 per blade. They've cut out the middleman, manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century, which means you get incredibly high quality blades at factory direct prices. Harry's is super convenient. Blade refills are delivered directly to your door on your schedule with or without a subscription. And there's no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a refund. Listeners of our show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com forward slash blue wire. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go you will be feeling like a million bucks go to harrys.com forward slash blue wire to start shaving better today There has been a lot of talk about how bad Jared Goff is on the road. We saw Cooper Cup completely disappear yesterday in the Rams' road loss against the Steelers. Are you buying into these road splits? Have you also seen people talking about this? Yeah, I mean, road Goff is uh, is a real thing. Um, it's, I mean, I, it's weird. Like, I, I've always thought of it more as, like, home golf as opposed to road golf. You know what I mean? Like, I focus right. much more on him when he's at home, and I sort of forget about him when he's on the road. It's not that I've thought that he's been so bad on the road. It's just that he's been so good at home. But uh, I guess apparently he has been so bad on the road. Um, and 
but the thing is it had never uh, uh, impacted cup before like he had uh basically identical splits whether he was playing in los angeles or uh playing on the road um but last week it uh really uh you know came home to roost so uh, I don't know if I'm going to put too much stock in it for Cup moving forward, but for Goff, I I think it's something that, uh, I don't know, like it's still a small sample. I don't want to put too much weight on it, but it's something I'm going to have to pay attention to a little bit more. Yeah, I think what it speaks to is with Goff, we still have a, a player that though there might be weeks where he's a pretty good fantasy option, you could see things that are positive from him if you just look at the box score, still might not be as complete of a quarterback as we'd like. Uh, but I don't think he really falls into that realm where people would have been drafting him high, so there's not like much of an attachment to him and playing him. Um, but nonetheless, it's, it's worth paying attention to. Were you surprised at Jalen Samuels and how he was really unable to get much going? Normally, we've seen a player when they get the chance in that Pittsburgh offense at running back, they normally find success. Yeah, um, I thought it was a little bit weird, but Samuels has never been all that good of a runner. Um, like historically, I just haven't thought that's mattered all that much. Like, and maybe I have a blind spot there just because like it didn't matter with like David Johnson that he wasn't really much of a natural runner because he was good enough. And I just tend to think that if a guy's a professional running back, he's probably, you know, like quote unquote good enough, especially if he's a really good receiver, which Samuels is. Um, so it wasn't much of a surprise that he wasn't all that good as a runner. Um, but what was a surprise, um, two things, one that they did split up the workload a little bit more. So other guys were getting some carries, which obviously hurts him. And then two, yeah, he really didn't do much through the air, which like, that's the part that really hurt. Um, I guess when you're talking about a guy who's a backup player anyway, and doesn't have a well-rounded skill set, we probably shouldn't be too surprised when he underperforms, but it was still a little surprising. Yeah, I I think to be fair, he did draw seven targets, only caught three. So the performance could have been slightly different had he improved upon that because he did have 17.8 expected points, just yeah. failed up to live to those, actually finished negative uh, 10.8 under expectations. A lot of that also had to do with the fact that he was only going for 2.1 yards per carry uh, on his 14 attempts. Well, I, I shouldn't frame it like that in it actually impacting his expected points because those are really all coming from the targets. Uh, but it, it just speaks to the fact that he really did not get it going. The other interesting thing about the Steelers, too, is we have seen Juju Smith-Schuster not being able to convert a lot of the throws coming his way. I'm not sure if this is a Mason Rudolph thing or what exactly is going on, but that does seem to be plaguing some of the players in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, in all fairness, he did. So he had only six targets, but he was going against uh, Jalen Ramsey, uh, who played in the slot like for the first time or I believe one of the first times in his career. But I think it was the first time in his career that he's played the majority of his snaps in the slot. So like the Rams are like they're using him as a true shadow cover guy where wherever the number one receiver is going, that's where he is. Um, which, uh, you know, so I, I think that excuses, um, Juju's performance a little bit, but like for the whole season, it's been fairly lackluster. It's, it's pretty disappointing. Yeah, it, it definitely is. Also Saquon Barkley had one of his worst games ever yesterday. What do you think is going on with uh, Saquon this season? Obviously there was the injury, but even before then we did see a little bit of a step back compared to his rookie season. Is it just that his rookie season was so impressive it was kind of clouding our expectations or do you think there's something more there going on 
Yeah, I think that's part of it. And then um, I think another part of it is that teams. So I guess a few things. One, uh, no Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, So even last year, there were uh, some pretty significant splits between what he was able to do when OBJ was on the field um, and when he wasn't. Uh, And then the second thing is that the offensive line isn't as good this year and it's had injuries. Um, So that's, a, a, I think, a pretty significant thing. And then the third thing is that um, I think opposing defenses aren't really respecting Daniel Jones. And so they're stacking the box a little bit more, playing towards the run and basically saying, okay, if we're going to lose, it's going to be because we've made Daniel Jones beat us and we don't think that he can. Uh, so teams are just like really scheming to take him away. Um, so I, I think it's the combination of, of those three things. Um, and then also the fourth thing you mentioned, this was probably always going to be something of like a regression filled campaign because he was just so dynamic last year. Yeah, it certainly set such lofty expectations where it felt like with a player like Saquon, he might be one of those rare occurrences where they could actually even improve upon it. But as you highlighted with some of the changes in the context of that team with Daniel Jones coming in, OBJ leaving, I can see how it was certainly not a recipe for him to continue to succeed beyond what he did last year. Let's turn our attention towards the Atlanta Falcons, who had their best game of the season, actually beating the Saints, who had been red hot up until that game. Brian Hill, 20 carries for Atlanta, some of that depending on the situation. But could you give us some context to consider this in and what we should be doing with Brian Hill moving forward? Yeah, so um, hopefully people already had him on their team um, because of the Edo Smith injury, uh, because Hill was kind of clearly the next guy in line. Um, but he's someone who's really intrigued me going back to his time at Wyoming. Um, he didn't do much his freshman year there, but, uh, as a sophomore was really, uh, prolific as a runner, didn't score a lot of touchdowns, but had, uh, 1700 rushing yards, uh, or 1700 yards in general, uh, from scrimmage, uh, as a sophomore. And then as a junior, um, you know, had similar rushing production, except a little bit more and then added on a whole lot of touchdowns. So he was one of the guys, uh, you know, kind of in the old school uh, workhorse metric who really stood out. I think he had like, I don't know, like a, a 90, 95 workhorse score. I mean, like it was, it was a score that was up there and was kind of like in the elite stratosphere. Um, so he was someone who always kind of, uh, has caught my eye as like, if he ever gets a chance, uh, I want to have him uh, on my rosters like a bottom of the bench kind of guy. And now I think he's going to get that chance um, because Ito Smith is out, uh, I believe, with the concussion issues. And then uh, Devontae Freeman missed part of the game last week because of the um, I think it was an ankle injury. And so, like, yep. we're not sure uh, exactly where Freeman stands this week. But uh, I don't know. Freeman's like, I mean, he's had injury issues like repeatedly for the last couple of seasons, it wouldn't be a surprise if Hill got the start this week and he got 20 carries last week, which is, uh, you know, pretty surprising for a guy who's just kind of like coming from nowhere. Uh, he also got two targets. He didn't really do much in the receiving game at, uh, at Wyoming, but, um, I think there's some context to that. Uh, and the context being like Anthony Amico, I think wrote a piece a while ago at Rotoviz where instead of looking at total market share for running backs, if you look at a guy's workload within the context of the backfield itself, 
um, that might be a little more significant. So although he didn't get many targets, he got like basically all of the targets that uh, were going to the running backs. So like, I think he might be a better receiver than uh, he's gotten credit for uh, in his time in the NFL. So uh, I don't know. I I'm actually really intrigued by him as someone who could be like a potential, uh, league winner at the end of a season, you know, like sometimes it happens where a guy gets a chance and maybe you don't think he's that talented, but he's good enough. And the more important thing is that all the guys who are better than him are no longer available. <laughs> so I mean, and, and like, and when that happens, that means that like, he's pretty much the guy and he's, he's going to get like all the work. So uh, it could be a situation like that for him moving forward. So um, we'll we'll just have to see monitor uh, Freeman in the practice reports. But if Freeman isn't playing this week, I will be looking um, probably to have uh, Hill in DFS. Uh, I have him in my dynasty league. I like my roster is such that I actually might be starting him and I will probably be looking to bet the over on his player props. Yeah, so you hit on a lot of the things that I wanted to to get to with Hill there. Another thing I will point out that in a preseason episode, I do believe uh, that Blair and Hassan had a lengthy discussion, I believe, with Fantasy Mansion or... I'm not exactly sure who it was, but I know that on one of our shows, there was a lot of talk about Brian Hill, so it would be cool to kind of see that come to fruition. And... If you do want to start placing some wager wagers on Brian Hill, you are the type of fan that knows football so well that you could choose any game and call it. You need to head over to my bookie. That's because it is the place that lets you turn all your sports knowledge into cash in your wallet between football season, NBA, the start of the college basketball season. It's time to get off the sideline and get in on the action with my bookie. Take a little bit, win a lot, get in on the parlays. Uh, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you're tired of watching the games from the couch with nothing to gain, mybookie wants to get your mind off everything else and get back in the game. And if you join right now, mybookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use the promo code ROTOVIZ to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code ROTOVIZ to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Definitely make sure that you do that. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Were you surprised, Matt, by the Kareem Hunt usage for the Browns? Uh, a little bit, but not all that much. I was okay. So he was basically playing like the Dontrell Hilliard role plus, which I think makes sense considering that uh, for his first year and a half in the league, he was like one of the best running backs in the league. Um, so and and also given the fact that the offense had um sort of stalled out. Um, and I think they were just looking for someone potentially to give them a spark. Um, I mean, I think nine targets is really heavy and, uh, they're not going to, I think, give that to him on a regular basis, but it does make sense that I, you know, they would want to feed one of the best running backs in the league. 
Yeah, and, and just to clarify, as far as the rushing usage went, uh, he had 30 yards on just four attempts. So if you're worried about him eating into the Chubb workload, I wouldn't say that there was necessarily anything compelling there that would make you question it. You could point to the seven and a half yards per carry, but Chubb has been phenomenal rushing the ball this year. So I wouldn't be too concerned about that. Lamar Jackson, best quarterback of all time. <laughs> That's what I have on the sheet. Uh, we already talked about him, but I do want to talk about the connection that he has with Marquise Brown because it does look like Jackson has been able to allow Brown to, uh, Brown to kind of prosper this year. We had talked about some significant things in Brown's profile that would make him have to be an outlier to find success. Where are you on Brown in terms of what he's done as a rookie? And do you think that it is fair to say that he was one of those outliers that's able to overcome the things in his profile that would point to a very unlikely projected success for him? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's fair. Um, like I do want to have uh, like the proper context of like his big games have come against uh, the Dolphins, the, uh, the Cardinals before Patrick Peterson was back um and the Bengals so you know like it's not uh, that a guy has to be exceptional to exploit those three defenses um but uh even if you kind of take into account all the other things he's done I think he's he's been impressive and you can see like the room that he has to grow from here uh so I've I've been impressed I've also been a little bit worried because like he's still dealing with like these lingering, uh, like lower body, like extremity injuries. And, uh, especially like stuff like that, like injuries, you know, to a foot, uh, or like to a hamstring or just anything like for a guy like that who relies on speed. Uh, I, I think those things kind of tend to linger. And then it's also like, he just needs to be a hundred percent. If he's not a hundred percent, like he's 50%. You know what I mean? Like what he brings to the game is his speed. And if he's not at a hundred percent, like he can't produce like, like they need him to. Um, but I don't know, man, he's so dynamic. Like, uh, for best balls, especially, I think he's a really attractive guy, um, for seasonal leagues, uh, where you have to decide who to start each week. I think he's much less intriguing. So basically he's, he's Deshaun Jackson, you know, like in the old school days, um, whatever you thought of Deshaun Jackson, then I think that's what you should think of Marquise Brown now. Yeah, he's certainly um, it's been up and down, but I, I, I do have to admit that I've been very surprised by him. And I think that probably is an apt comparison with him and Deshaun Jackson. The other type of team too, or player like Brown, I find can be really useful is if you have a pretty solid uh, team and you have a guy like Brown on that team and you just leave them in that spot every once in a while you're catching significant variance especially in a league where like um total points are there's some type of bonus if you hit a certain threshold sure. i played in a yeah. couple of leagues where they have payouts for that he can be like a really useful guy um so uh, i'm gonna be really really curious to see where the market puts him at moving into next season Jeff Driscoll for Detroit distributed the ball nicely even threw himself a completion <laughs> um I don't know if it looks like Stafford's going to miss more time. Do you have any takeaways on how this might impact Galladay, Marvin Jones, any other players on Detroit uh, if Driscoll remains in? Yeah, I think it's uh, pretty significantly negative for all of them. Um, I mean, I think pretty easily. Uh, Stafford 
has I think he's been an underrated guy. And maybe it's like um I don't know. I feel like he's been what Breeze is, except better. You know, like sorry, I said Breeze. I meant Breeze. Philip Rivers. I, I was I, like, dude, yeah, you're really gonna no, have no, no, to, no, no, to, no, no. to convince yeah. me on this totally, one. Totally misspoke. No, okay. uh, I feel like he's been Rivers, except better. You know, like he's been a compiler, but like he's actually had like you know pretty high end uh, yardage production year to year. Like he has like a five thousand yard season on his resume, um, and this year was one of his better seasons. Um, especially after the bye week, they were really letting him throw it a little bit more. Uh, Driscoll is a below average backup, you know, like it's just, it's not a good situation. Uh, he's been in the league. This is, I believe like his fourth season. He's a backup sixth rounder. Like it's just, it is not a good situation for the team. Uh, Galladay was lucky to have uh, like a 49 yard touchdown or something like that, that ended up saving his day. But uh, other than that, it was a pretty subpar performance for, uh, for him and Marvin Jones as well. Like, it's just, it's not a good situation. So uh, if you have those guys, they all get significantly downgraded week to week. And I think as of now, um, they're pretty hard to roster in DFS. Yeah, the DFS point, that's definitely fair. And then on the actual touchdown that Galladay had, he had to make a really nice play on that. Um, like you said, it saved the day. So I, I don't know if you can bank on that every week going forward. Unfortunately, though, I do think that for a lot of owners in season long leagues, you're kind of stuck keeping Galladay in your lineup because he has been very good and perhaps he keeps finding ways to salvage his days despite the quarterback play another quarterback that you have been very down on Mitchell Trubisky uh, threw three touchdowns in that game against the Lions. The player I want to talk about is Taylor Gabriel. He did see six targets has been the second option when available in that rather poor bears offense. Do you think that Gabriel is the type of player that we can continue to rely on? He actually didn't have the greatest game. I just point him out because he did get the six targets. Uh, no, I don't think anyone can be relied on except for Allen Robinson. And even then, like Robinson, isn't a guy you actually want to rely on. Like Robinson, I think is uh, massively outperforming in that he's pacing for over a thousand yards. Like I think maybe close to 1100 yards, uh, with Mitchell Trubisky regressing pretty significantly. Um, but other than that, any, any other player just could be so inconsistent week to week that he's probably not trustable. I unfortunately think I'm in the same spot there. The tricky thing for me has been as a Tariq Cohen owner, what we do with him each week, you know, and, and it's been weird that more often than not, the correct answer actually has been to play him, at least in the context of the teams that I have. But certainly, outside I think that of says Robinson, more. I think that says more <laughs> about your teams than about him as a player. Uh, yeah, that's probably true. I, I will say this. I think it's more about the way in which I construct my teams necessarily than, than some of my teams. That's a problem. That's, I mean, you're basically <laughs> restating the problem. You're, you're giving context to the problem. Like to, for the past three weeks, um, and I, I mean, I don't know why I cut it there. I just did, but like yep. he hasn't been playing as much in the past three weeks as he was before, which is why I'm kind of cutting it there. And it seems like that's intentional, but the past three weeks, he has 33 yards, uh, per game total, um, you know, like averaged out across that span. Uh, that's horrible. Like that's completely un unrosterable. Like 
You know what I mean? Like, it's yep. not that that guy doesn't belong in your lineup. It's that like that guy doesn't <laughs> he doesn't deserve to, to be on, on a roster. Uh, well, if you saw the receivers on, on some of these teams, but no, I mean, I think that's fair. That really highlights the point when you're looking for Tariq Cohen, uh, who. I'm not really sure. Like, uh, do you, would you say this has been a disappointing season for him or you may have had oh, totally. tempered expectations on him? Oh, but I, I, still, I, I think mean, even so. Yeah. I had tempered expectations, but even so, uh, there's no way that it hasn't been a disappointing season for him. Like last year, he was literally an all pro. Uh, and, and this year, like you could be excused if you forgot that he was even on the Bears. <laughs> you know, like he had almost 1,200 yards from scrimmage last year, um, you know, eight touchdowns. Uh, and then he didn't have a, a return touchdown, but so eight, eight touchdowns in total. Uh, but that's like a pretty good season for a guy who's like the backup um, or just like, the, you know, the quote unquote change of pace guy. But like he doesn't even have 300 yards this year. That's I mean, we're yeah. over halfway into the season. Yeah, that's that's quite an indictment on the season. So like the Bears have been if you had to pick the three train wreck teams for this season, I think Cincinnati definitely gets in there. The bears might get in there. The dolphins. I don't know if you include them because it almost feels like they want to be a train wreck. Who's the third team. Do you think? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, this is a good exercise. Okay. So the train wreck teams, I think the Falcons probably oh, yeah, it's a good belong one, yep. in there because I, like, I think there were expectations that they would at least compete within their division and they are pretty clearly at the bottom of it, even though I still think that they're just as good as the teams above them. Um, mm. You know, so like they've underperformed, I think both expectations and like their actual talent, which is disappointing. So yeah, I think the Falcons are there. Um, I think the Rams in some way, like at five and four, like they are really disappointing. Um, they haven't been as big of a train wreck as the Bengals, but I think like relative to expectations, they've maybe been even more of a train wreck. You know what I mean? Mm, yep. That, that's fair. I, I mean, fair. Redskins at one and eight and like their quarterback situation looks like total crap. They've already fired their head coach. Um, yeah, I mean, that I, normally I, equates to a train wreck. Yep. Yeah. Like, I think, <laughs> I, I think they're in the right. The jet, I mean, there are so many, the jets, I mean, the Adam Gase experiment, like it would not be a surprise if he's fired after the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think he's like doing a masterful job of ruining Sam Darnold's career. Um, I don't know who else would you, who else would you put in there? Like, I think those are the candidates. Yeah. And, and then they'll say one more. Yeah. The, the yep. Browns, the Browns at three and six. Like, I think there's still time yes. for them. I wouldn't say to like salvage their season, but like they could go on a run where they end up eight and eight and it's like, oh, that wasn't as bad. But like they started the year two and six and that's like total trash considering what the expectations were. Yeah, actually, I had been thinking of the Browns and when you started listing off these other ones, I forgot about them. But I think for me, they almost have to get in there, especially when you consider the fan base that finally was starting to get energized. You know, they felt like they'd been waiting and waiting and they were finally there. I have to imagine if you are a Cleveland Browns fan, this has just been a complete uh uh, like just dejecting period of, of time in your life. Yeah. I mean, here's another way of, of framing this. If you're a Browns fan and I told you at the beginning of the season that in week two or week three, whatever week it was that Ben Roethlisberger would go down and he would be out for the rest of the season and that the Bengals would be the worst team in the league so bad that they would get the number one pick. Like you would think 
oh my God, we are winning the division. Like that's what you would think. If if two of the three teams you have to go against are like hamstrung from the very beginning, you have to think that you have a really good chance of winning the division. And then I told you, oh wait, a- after eight games, you're two and six. You'd be like, what the hell happened? You know, like the, the mm-hmm. Browns had a, a golden path towards winning their division and they pooped themselves. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you want to talk about squandering opportunities. It really has been the Browns this season. I think also uh, how much of a disappointment it must be to see OBJ come in, really not do anything. You think that you have this, you know, quarterback on a great trajectory. You feel like you finally have this quarterback that could be fantastic enough to get you to a Super Bowl. Maybe you're definitely questioning that just all around a complete disaster. Yeah. Let's, uh, if, if you don't mind, let's take just yep. a couple of minutes to look at the flip side of this. Um, the teams actually, that's not so interesting to talk about the teams that are like overperforming expectations, but how about this? Like if you had to pick, um, the guys who will be MVP, like the, in the MVP conversation at the end of the season. And, uh, I don't think Mahomes will be in it because he missed too many games early on. Um, but I think Russell Wilson will definitely be in it. Yep. Lamar Jackson will be in it. Uh, Aaron Rodgers potentially will be in it. Uh, and then maybe Christian McCaffrey. But I think those are going to be the guys. And then potentially Deshaun Watson, uh, depending on, you know, if the Texans, you know, kind of go on a run and really separate within their division. But I think those are the guys. Yeah. How, I, how do you think about those guys? I, I think, or are we talking about them in context of, if they're actually going to get the MVP or just, yeah, I guess like, how would you, what do you think of them right now? What do I think of them right now? Yeah. I think that you could make a really compelling case that it should be Christian McCaffrey, but I'd say that his actual chances of securing the MVP are very low because I don't think that the average person that doesn't spend a lot of time paying attention to the stats is going to realize how much of an aberration he's been this season and how, you know, just ridiculous it is what he's doing. You also have to take into account the actual team, and I'm not sure that um, right now the Panthers are carrying enough um, perceived... I'm, I, well, being on a team that I feel like might not be in the conversation for people around the league as being like one of the best teams in the league hurts him, unless I'm, I'm wrong on that and there are people out there saying it. But if you're an Aaron Rodgers, you already carry that name. You're on the Green Bay, on the Green Bay Packers. I feel like that's going to put you in the conversation more. I actually feel like it's really going to come down to Wilson and Lamar Jackson, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, you know, you could see... Like you said, Mahomes make make his way in if if he continues a ridiculous pace. But I would say it's probably going to be Wilson and Jackson, uh, because the Seahawks have been in some exciting games. Lamar Jackson is just doing amazing things, and I'm not really sure that the Packers are going to be successful enough over the back half of the season that it keeps Rodgers in the conversation. Yeah, uh, I have to say, uh, at the beginning, uh, it sounded like you were cutting out a little bit because I thought I heard you say that running backs matter. That's that's what I thought I, I heard you saying uh, in a number of sentences. I don't know if you use those words exactly, but it seems like that's what you were saying. Um, like, all right. Uh, I will say this. Christian McCaffrey might might matter. Your typical running back does not matter. Right. I, I think that we've never taken the stance that that there are particular running backs that may or may not matter. It's just that 
for the most part, you know, they're more or less interchangeable, but I don't think that you can make a strong case that a lot of players, if you insert them on the Panthers, they're doing what Christian McCaffrey is doing. Yeah, still not getting a good connection. I, I thought I heard you say that Christian McCaffrey mattered. I, I, that doesn't sound right. You don't think so? All right, let's talk about this, though. In the confines of the Carolina Panthers, right? Yeah, no, he obviously he obviously is impressive. Like, but, what he's doing uh, yeah. is impressive. And, and like, I think it stands, um, if you put it next to Saquon, like, I think that's what people were expecting out of Saquon. Like, you see someone like Christian McCaffrey who – uh, regardless of game script, regardless of who is around him, is just always producing. Uh, I think people were expecting Saquon to be able to do something like that because, like, he's probably the better player. Actually, like, he's yeah. actually built like a like a lead back, whereas McCaffrey is like he's a little bit smaller. He's had to build himself up into uh, having the frame for the NFL grind. Um. So you just assumed that Saquon would be able to do it, especially given the draft pedigree that he had, the production he had in college, his physical profile, how young he was, and then what he did last year. You just assumed he would be a McCaffrey type of force. Um, and that McCaffrey has actually been able like, to do it year over year. And other guys that you assumed would be just as good or better haven't been able to do it. Like that, I mean, that shows like the, the true talent that uh, McCaffrey has. Yeah. And, and I will say, I have to imagine too, like uh, when you're playing, well, Barkley's not in a really awesome situation to be in either. Um, so I kind of can't take that, that thought that I had there further. Um, I will put this back to you though. If you had to assign percentages, let's say it's going to come down to Russell Wilson and Lamar Jackson, what do you think the percentage is that it ends up being Wilson and what percentage for Jackson? Yeah, uh, man, that's good. I wish I had looked at uh, MVP odds before this, so I don't say something that's completely out of line <laughs> with the market. Um, I think those are the two front runners. I think Deshaun Watson has maybe the best chance of coming in third. Okay. Um, after after those guys, I think Lamar Jackson wins it. Um, because I think he has more like highlightable moments. You know, like the 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 touchdown run, like that's that's going to be the case. You know, so like if the Ravens, uh, you know, if they finish uh the season on a good a good run. They get, uh, you know, the number two seed. So they get, they get the first round by, um, I don't think the Seahawks are going to be able to catch the 49ers. Although I, I might be wrong on that, but let's assume that the Seahawks don't win their division. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson in what he's done and, uh, kind of what he wasn't expected to do when he entered the league, like that coupled with the fact that he's with a team that is going to win the bye. I think that will give him the edge. So like, I would say um, at this point, I think like Lamar Jackson has maybe like a 40% chance of winning and Russell Wilson has maybe like a 30% chance of winning. And then it gets split out to the rest of the field from there. Yeah. The other thing I hadn't thought about too, was that win over the Patriots uh, for Lamar Jackson probably does help. Cause that was a game. Oh, I'm sure I'm a lot of people were focused on. Oh yeah. I mean, he's had these big moments. So like he's already beat Russell Wilson, like his MVP odds have bumped up each time after he's had a big win like this, you know? So, uh, he's going to get to play, uh, Deshaun Watson 
you know, later in the season. Uh, I've, actually, it's coming up this week, right? Am I am I wrong on that? I actually have not even transitioned. Yes, over. yes. For yeah. for week eleven, we have the Texans at the Ravens. Um, and so he's going head to head with Deshaun Watson. If he wins, and they are favored, if he wins, his MVP odds are going to get only better from here. So, uh, yeah, I mean, each time he goes against someone like that, um, his MVP odds just get better. So I think that will actually be something that differentiates him or distinguishes him uh, against Wilson and against Watson. If he beats both of them head to head, like that will be something that carries him. Well, so basically I'm looking at a situation where Lamar Jackson is going to close as the MVP and this shtick is going to continue now for a this while. Is, this is going to continue for as long as it's beneficial to me. <laughs> oh, perfect. Uh, well, you know, when you uh, tout Juju Smith-Schuster all over the place and uh, you downplay Lamar Jackson, you're doing, you're doing really well. Hey, yep. I, I was right there with you on, on touting uh, Juju. So that hasn't worked out well for me, which is probably why I'm clinging to the Lamar thing so hard, <laughs> if we're being honest. Yeah. The other one, too, that we might – well, we'll have to wait till we – just maybe next week we'll take a closer look at uh, Kyler Murray in Arizona, another team that we talked a lot about, and we'll try to, we'll try to make sense of if we can make a case for ourselves there. I, I mean, I think we're fine on Kyler, to be honest. Like – what is he? He's, I mean, he's a top 10 fantasy quarterback. Like that's what yeah. we were saying he would be like, yeah, right, I guess right actual, now I think he's actually number five. Um, hold on. Let me pull that up because yeah, I think this is a case where though, uh, the Cardinals themselves haven't been that successful. It might not really matter in how we analyze what Murray did this season. I have him closer to nine on a per game per game point basis okay i was looking okay uh per point uh per game basis okay that's fine that makes sense i was looking at the quick number at uh pfr okay Um, yeah so yeah so that you know takes in i'm probably like total fantasy points but yeah like he's a top 10 fantasy quarterback like that's that's what we were saying he would be you know yeah also i think the the rushing yardage is probably going to be Maybe not quite as as impressive as we thought, but it is going to be up there. So we have that to lay our hat on. Yeah. I mean, the fact that he's been this good in an offense that has actually underperformed um, or I mean, yeah, underperformed expectations, even if those expectations were totally unrealistic, which they were in in hindsight. But even though he's uh, he's been in this offense that's underperformed uh, and done so well, like I think that actually speaks really well for him. Yeah, it definitely does. And Andy Isabella is becoming a force. So once they unleash him, the sky is the limit for Kyler Murray. Of course. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Of course. That connection is going to be really uh, useful for years. Yes, I agree. And on that note, that will do it for this week's show. Again, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Do check out the Rotoviz Patreon page. If you are not subscribing to Rotoviz, you need to be doing that now. And also, Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at MattFTheOracle. And until next time, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. 
The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 